Welcome to the sermon podcast of Grace Presbyterian Church. For more information about our church, please visit our website, gracechurchlaunceston.com. So what lies ahead for you this year? Um, Can anyone tell me, do you have any plans actually? Just shout it out. Do you have any plans for the year? Any big events or holiday plans? Anyone? You're going to get new shoes. Yes. Um, you may have no plans or, or small plans or no plans or some plans because New Year's is often a time when um, you set some goals or it's a time of optimism maybe about thinking ahead. Maybe you have a road trip lined up or you're going to head to the shack or you're going to visit some friends. What are you going to do this year? Um, whatever lies ahead of us over the weeks and months, here at church we are headed into a collection of psalms called the Songs of Ascents, that uh, you see that there in the title of the psalm. And these are journey psalms. They are journey psalms. The pilgrim people of God, uh, Israel, are on a journey from far, far away toward Jerusalem, toward the city of God. They are journeying towards the temple to worship, to sacrifice, to worship God. These songs of ascents are songs, they're prayers written for pilgrims. Um, They're kind of like a playlist to play when you're on the road, maybe a mixtape or a Spotify playlist and you just press play and they help you get there to the journey, on the journey. These are a collection to help pilgrims to direct their hearts uh, toward worshipping God. And I thought, what a better, what, what better, I don't think there's a better way to start the new year um, to, then to looking at them, looking at these psalms as we look ahead at our plans, our, our plans that we make or things that might just come up, the challenges that we face over the next 12 months, what better way to start the new year than by looking at psalms written for spirit, spiritual pilgrimage? Because we as Christians are pilgrims headed toward the heavenly city Zion and our future goal, our future home in the new heavens and earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why I think the Psalms, uh, the Songs of Ascents, are so appropriate. They are also very realistic as you read them, as you read these collection of Songs of Ascents. They're very realistic about challenges and obstacles that we face along the journey. Because one thing I can guarantee for us as a church and for you, that in 2023, there will be challenges. Last summer, we looked at Psalm 120, Psalm 121 and 22. This summer, we'll look look at three or four more. So today, Psalm 123. And here today, we find that this psalm teaches us that in many ways, we are home in the sense that we've come to Jesus as Christians. We've come into the family of God. We have fellowship with God through the blood of Christ. But in another sense, we're not home yet. We're home, but we're not home yet. We're not yet in the new creation with Jesus. There are challenges along the journey, and this is the tension of this psalm. The Israelites, are, they've made it on their pilgrimage to the city of Jerusalem. That's where they are. They're in Jerusalem. They've arrived at the city to worship God, and yet when they get there, they get the sense that not all is right with the world. There are distressing things in their lives, things going on in their own hearts, 
and in the society around them. So we get it, we've got two points that I want to show us today from Psalm 123. Looking up, looking down and looking up. They're the two points, looking down and looking up. And the good news of this psalm is found in the first two verses where the psalm writer looks up. In this psalm, you get the problem at the end, actually, the solution at the beginning. So today we're going to do something a bit different. We're going to start at the end of the psalm before we go to the beginning. Let's have a look at verses 3 and 4. It says, Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy on us, for we have endured no end of contempt. We have endured no end of ridicule from the arrogant, of contempt from the proud. I think here we have a situation, something like when you finally get onto holidays. This is me anyway. You work hard for months, you put in lots of effort and you're doing all these things and then you get to the holiday break and you, re and you relax and what happens? You get sick. I get sick. Um, this happens to me. And I think something like this is happening here in this psalm. The psalm writer has got to Jerusalem. Oh, this is where I want to be. He's arrived. And then he realises not, not everything is well. He realises that he is completely and utterly tired and worn out from the stresses of living in a fallen world, a world that is against God. He's arrived at God's city and he can't relax. He can't enjoy the experience. He's rather deeply troubled. As it says here, the faithful pilgrims are on the pointy end of scorn. They have endured contempt and ridicule. Um, this ridicule has come from those who are, it says, verse 3, it's come from the arrogance. Um, you could translate that there as meaning those who are at ease or those who are self-confident. You get the kind of person, right? Self-confident. They're full of their own self-importance, meaning they have no regard for God and therefore completely unashamed of treating these faithful pilgrims like dirt. They look down upon the faithful people of God. The end of verse 4 calls them the proud. They are big in their own eyes, but and God is small to them. Well, it doesn't actually say who they are, but I can have a guess. Uh, I think they might be people in their own country, uh, maybe fellow Israelites who aren't following the Lord, practical atheists, if you like, idol worshippers, um, living, maybe living for power and for money in, for themselves instead of God. They could be someone from other nations, doesn't say. But whoever they are, they're scorning the ones who are faithful, the pilgrims, the ones on this journey. And they show themselves to be proud and arrogant, confident in themselves. And so the psalm writer's just tired, isn't he? He's worn out. He's arrived at Jerusalem and he's, yet he's feeling this deep distress about what society is like around him. He needs some relief the world is hard. It's treating him badly. And it's probably the case here. He's arrived at Jerusalem-like, right? And he, he probably is thinking about his own need, his own need for sacrifice at the temple, his own need for forgiveness of sins, his need for mercy before the Lord. And out of that, he longs for the world to be put to right, to be changed, the stress in his life to be resolved. 
And so I think this psalm really is speaking to what our own spiritual pilgrimage is like as Christians. These verses, this psalm is God's word for the church of Jesus under duress. These verses are for Jesus' people who've made it home. We've made it to Christ. Christ has saved us. We're united to him. And yet at the same time, we're not home yet. We live in a world of scorn and proud people and the arrogant. People that scorn the church's very existence, their beliefs, faith, and really God himself. Christians have ongoing stresses. They come in waves and seasons, yet they do come upon us. And as we as a church look ahead to this year, I am 100% confident there will be challenges. Maybe it looks like a feeling of pressure to go along with what everyone else is doing or saying when your mates at work go out uh, and get up to all sorts of things. Maybe you feel the disdain when you say no again to going out. Or maybe you sense there's an antagonism towards the things of Jesus. And you hear scorn uh, maybe from the comedian who, who makes their jokes mocking God and they fly, the jokes fly by and everyone laughs. Uh, we can be made to feel contempt, backward, regressive as Christians. And so the psalm speaks into these kinds of situations and challenges. And I can guarantee that some of them will come over the next 365 days. And as Christian pilgrims, as God's people seeking to live for him, we need the mercy of God. We need the mercy of God. It's the only way we can endure. The only way is by the mercy of God. It's by grace we are saved. It's by God's mercy in the first place we've come into his family. It's by his mercy that we continue to live as his people in a world, in a society that's often against against God. And so they are those who look down. They look down. But what does the psalm writer do? What does he do? He looks up. Verse 1, I lift my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven, as the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord our God until he shows us mercy, his mercy. And the question for us really is, where am I looking for mercy? Where am I looking for help? The the psalmist teaches us that we need to look the right way, in the right direction. We need to look up to the the God, as verse 1 says, who is enthroned in heaven. Our God is the one in charge of everything. He is seated on the throne of the universe. Our God is in charge of the affairs of this world, the big troubles, the small nuisances. Our God is in charge of the arrogant and the proud. And even though they may snigger and act and act like they're self-confident and in their rejection of God, our God is enthroned in the heavens. They will answer to the Lord for who they are and what they do. It may look like people get away with it. But if God is enthroned in the heavens, there will be justice. There is no higher authority. There is no higher court of appeal. There is no one greater 
There's no one with more power. And if we go to the Lord, we know him to be a God who is merciful and just and cares for us, his people. So we're to look up. And there's no doubt in the psalm writer's mind here, I love this, there's no doubt in his mind that mercy will come. He believes it will come and that God will hear his prayer. He waits for mercy. Like, and there's the analogy here, like a slave or a servant looks to their master. In this analogy, verse 2, the psalm writer likens the believer's dependence upon God, the pilgrim's dependence upon God, as like that of a slave or a servant or a maidservant who has their eyes fixed on the hands of their master and mistress. Well, back in those days, slaves or servants, they're more like part of the extended family. And what the servant needed would come from the hand of their master. The master would provide for them, mistress would provide for them, food, accommodation, anything that they would need. And unlike the arrogant and the proud in this psalm, who are disrespectful towards the faithful pilgrims, the servant in this psalm shows utter respect and deference towards their master. And what do they do? They are waiting. They are waiting for their master to show them some act of kindness. And just like a good master or mistress would provide for them and treat them well, the psalm writer is teaching us with this analogy that God looks after his people. So we're to wait on God and he will provide. God will treat his people well. And mercy will come. Verse 2 says, So our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy. See that there? He is confident that God will show mercy. There's no doubt in his mind. The Master, the Lord our God, will show us mercy. That's the kind of Master that we serve. He is abounding in mercy and love. So, where are we looking? Where do we look for our help? Do we have our eyes fixed upward? Are you, are you looking to the Lord? Because this is to be our, our posture, our, our, our vision as a church. It's where our eyesight is to be fixed this coming year, as in every year. We're to look to the Lord and have our eyes fixed on Him. So by way of conclusion, um, just a couple of points of application from this psalm. Firstly, as Christians, there is a lesson here in this psalm on what trusting God looks like. Don't you think? The psalm writer is saying here, he's really just saying, I am totally dependent upon God. He's saying, I have no resource to help myself. And I must look to the Lord and go to him for help. I look and lift my eyes to heaven. That's just saying, I'm trusting you, Lord. It means being persuaded that God and God alone is really willing to help us. 
Because very often we, we struggle to believe this to be true, don't we? I think we come into difficult situations sometimes, challenges in our life. It's often not the first instinct that we have to look up, is it? If we're honest. Very often we're full of pride, aren't we? And pride keeps our eyes fixed downwards rather than upwards, as the psalm tells us. In our pride, we'd rather solve the problem ourselves. We want to figure things out. We turn to other people, other solutions to get us through. But God is ready. He is willing. He is able to show mercy. He is for his people. Do we believe this? He's actually for us, not against us. And we need to remember that, that we always need God's help. We always need God's help. We always need God's grace in his mercy. We need God to change us, so Christ to change us, so that we actually go to God for mercy. And remember that God is above every distress and alarming situation. God didn't spare his own son for us. How much more through him would he, has he promised to do all things? He gave his life so that we might live. He didn't do that to leave us alone, but to be our advocate, our great high priest, who has compassion and wants to show mercy in our time of need. So we need to look up. We need to trust him. Now, secondly, there's a lesson here, an application here about prayer. This is a prayer of faithful pilgrims in a challenging time. And a couple of um, sub-applications here. The psalm teaches us to whom we pray and what to pray. When we pray, we need to think about to whom we're praying to. When we pray, we're praying to the Lord. Jesus taught us to pray to our Father who is in heaven. And this this, uh, psalm reminds us that we are, when we pray, we're having an audience with the King of Kings. We're putting our case to the one enthroned in heaven. You know, it's easy to slack off in our prayer life, I think, for our prayers to become few and far between. Uh, It can be easy to go through the motions in prayer. But think on this psalm. When we pray to our Father in heaven, you're speaking, we are speaking to the Almighty One, the Powerful One. We are having an audience with the One enthroned in heaven. No matter whether your prayer is a quick prayer um, in the car or in a tight spot or a a more pleading prayer with your, with your arms folded and your eyes firmly shut. When you're praying to your Father, you're praying to the one in charge of everything, your Father in heaven. So that's to whom we pray. But it also, this psalm teaches us what to pray. We ought to pray and pray often Prayers for mercy. We need to ask God for mercy. The prayer, O Lord, have mercy upon me, 
is a prayer that should be on high rotation in your prayer life for every one of us. And when we pray that kind of prayer, you can guarantee the Lord will answer. And he says so in this psalm. Our Father will answer prayers for mercy because that's the kind of God he is. Verse 2 says, so our eyes look to the Lord until he has mercy on us. Until he has mercy. Mercy will come. There's no doubt about it. Now, mercy may come in the form of relief for a particular situation you're in. Um, That's often what we want most of all, isn't it? It may be that God causes that situation to change or to stop or to be resolved or others to have a change of hearts. But mercy can also come in the form of grace to endure a trial. Perseverance. Mercy may also take time. This psalm teaches us we need to wait sometimes. There might be a season of waiting. And yet this psalm teaches us that the Lord will answer that prayer. O Lord, have mercy. Mercy will come. Why can we be so sure? Because of the Lord Jesus. Because of Christ. Mercy will come to us from the hand of Christ who bore contempt, the ridicule of the arrogant, the wounds of the proud. We receive mercy at the price the Son paid. As Isaiah says, by his wounds we are healed. And Christ will either strengthen us for, uh, to bear up under the scorn that we're going through, or he will spare us from it. But either way, God will show mercy because of Jesus. So let's remember this in 2023, that the world may look down on Christ's church, it might, may look down on you, it may look down on us, but the good news is we look up to the Lord enthroned in heaven and to the God who will show mercy.